eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Bruins defeated the San Jose Sharks 4-0 tonight at the Garden. And they improved to 37, 5, and 4 on the year, which is insane, guys. It's like an 894 winning percentage. And, I mean, it's, it's like nothing we've ever seen before. This team just keeps rolling. They they defeat, I mean, everybody. Uh, they defeat high competition. And, and when they play inferior teams, it's they just show up from start to finish. Tonight was no different. Yeah, it's like we keep waiting for, you know, like I feel like when I talk to people about the Bruins, I'm like, well, they're probably not going to quite keep up this winning percentage. But I was like, I don't know. They they keep keeping it up, so maybe they will. Like, because to your point, they're they're taking care of business against the bad teams. It you know we talked about this after the Seattle game about like the quote unquote blueprints. Like, well, yeah, part of it has to be you catch the Bruins on an off night and you get like great goaltending. Like, it's it's almost getting to the point where it's just about taking any team's best game of the season to beat them. And, and even then you might not do it if the Bruins play their best game. So it's, it, it is insane. And, you know, look, obviously beating the Sharks for nothing doesn't tell us a whole lot. Like that's, that's kind of to be expected. Sharks aren't very good, but, uh, but yeah, it's like they very rarely have like a full off night. Like even, even if they're off for a period or 10 minutes stretch, it's they figure out a way to turn it on. And like, if they turn it on for 10 to 15 minutes, like they can swing a game just in that amount of time. So it's, it's crazy. And, and you know, like one thing I'm writing about for Monday is now they have all these defensemen scoring, uh, two more goals from defensemen Sunday night, uh, on two great individual efforts by Hampus Lindholm and Charlie McAvoy, you know, Lindholm, Lindholm steps around one Sharks defender McAvoy, like two ups him by going around three. Um, they now have five straight games with a goal from defenseman, seven goals from defenseman during that time. And it's like, that's one thing that they, that like they weren't really doing all that great. One of the few things that they weren't great at for much of the season and now all of a sudden they're great at that. And like um, Charlie McAvoy talked about this after the game and said when they played Seattle uh, during their team meeting, it came up that Seattle was number one in goals scored by defensemen. And he said like they kind of started talking amongst themselves and they're like, where are we? Like how many do we have? 
And while it's obviously not this simple and like getting, getting their defenseman to shoot more and finish more is, you know, something they've been working on for a while, but it's almost like that's all it took to just kind of like flip a switch. And they were almost decided like, yeah, you know what? We're going to be really good at that now. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I was going to mention that if you didn't, that he mentioned, he's like, Oh, we started doing the math and we're like, Oh, you know what? We're, we, we all have a few more goals than us. And, and so they, they stepped it up because they knew they could. And it was almost like a little internal competition, I think. And then um, someone asked Charlie McAvoy about the Lindholm goal. And he said, no, I wasn't trying to one up him, but, <laughs> but it, I mean, his was just a really, really nice goal. So um, yeah, the defensemen have looked really good. And another important note about McAvoy is just that, we, I think we mentioned in our last episode, like, I think it even titled one of our like segments, um, like Charlie McAvoy's about to round the corner. And I heard him say round the corner. I heard coach Montgomery say round the corner about Charlie's health and the way that they're feeling about his play. Um, and you know, they, they think that he's pretty much coming back to form, uh, the way that he, he used to be able to play. And you can see that with the offense, but um, he talked to us about that too. He feels healthier. He says he's, he's getting there. Um, and what coach said was we're starting to see that dynamic McAvoy. Um, and, and that's what he needs to be. And you could, when we talked to him, you could just kind of tell by his body language and his demeanor that he feels like he's pretty much there. Yeah. You saw it on his goal. You saw it on the, uh, the cross ice pass to Pasternak on on the power play for Pasternak's goal. Just the just the confidence that that Charlie's um, playing with when he's going. It's it just jumps off jumps off the screen. Uh, I wanted to start off with how the game kind of started off tonight, guys. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody really expected Timo Meyer and Brandon Carlo thirty seconds in the, to to start throwing fists. Was there some carryover from, from the previous meeting in San Jose a few weeks ago, or was that just from the four check between hurdle and Carlo and Meyer didn't like that? I thought it was just spontaneous from tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Carlo throws, I thought it was perfectly clean hit on hurdle, but obviously Timo Meyer didn't like it and kind of, you know, jumped on Carlo and really should have gotten an extra. Like it seemed like he was going to get an extra two because the refs, arm was up before they even started actually fighting. Um, Meyer was like throwing jabs while they're still on the ice. And then they get up and start actually fighting. And um, so, yeah, I thought that was all just kind of spontaneous in the moment, but you know, the Bruins talked about how like it did kind of wake them up and set the tone for the game to have that right on the first shift and in the first minute. And especially when it is Carlo, who obviously isn't someone you, normally expect to be dropping the gloves uh you know um it was funny jim montgomery said after the game like usually has a usually he has a pretty long fuse uh but he had a really short one tonight apparently yeah and and by the way i thought and i never really thought of meyer as like a a dirty player and i he may or may not be but the jabs that he got in before the fight and after the fight when carlo was already on the ground like he had thrown him down and we all know Carlo has concussion history. So when I saw him get thrown down, I was like, oh, no, that's not good. Because if you couldn't land, you know, awkwardly and re-injure something like that pretty easily. And then he starts throwing jabs at him while while the refs are trying to stop it. And, and that happens in hockey. But I just 
there was like actual hatred behind this fight. Like you could see it in both of their, like their responses. And I think Meyer was definitely the instigator. Uh, Carlos, it was not, didn't have, you know, there was nothing there. Um, And the fact that he went at him again, like after the fight was over, was just stupid. And when Carlo goes down the tunnel, you're like, oh, well, we were talking last episode about Carlo's foot. Was he going to come back? Was he going to miss time? What could they do? He plays. He doesn't miss any time besides the end part of that game. They decided to keep him out in New York. And then he goes down the tunnel in the first minute here. And you're like, okay, well, I hope that was just like to get some like stitches or something, or like just for a second uh, to go get looked at. So it could have, every time you see Carlo get involved in something like that, you're like, oh, that's, this maybe isn't uh, a great idea for him. Despite his size, like you'd think he'd have that long reach advantage, but he's really just not, he's not a fighter by like demeanor. So um, it was, it was kind of interesting and they like his teammates definitely know he's not. So that kind of makes it even more of like a spark for them, I guess, because they know he's, he all of a sudden he just went crazy and they'd never seen that. (laughs) Yeah. The extra, the extra shots by Meyer is why I was kind of questioning, like if there was a history there, Uh, cause, cause to your point, Bridget, there was some, some, some added anger at the end of that fight. So, um, but in any event, um, an uncharacteristic way for two uh, two combatants that don't that don't really fight a whole too lot. So, um, one thing I noticed in this game against the Sharks as well, guys, and I think when they play these inferior opponents, sometimes it comes out a little bit more. So it's it's more glaring. Is just how much motion the Bruins have without the puck in in the offensive zone like the defense are they are always the defense and the forwards in the ozone they are just always moving like if if the d the d recognized when to jump down again without the puck and the forwards are covering for them opposing teams have they just have no idea what to do as far as in zone coverage and um you just you really notice it in a game like tonight where the bruins could just kind of do whatever they want I don't know if you guys picked up on just like how much motion that these guys play with without the puck. Yeah, you de- you definitely see it on night like tonight where like you're facing a team that just doesn't have the team defense to be able to to close down and cut stuff off. And so like once that cycle gets going, it they're not gonna stop until they score or like until they miss a net and like clear the zone themselves. It's you know better teams that that can play defense and and pressure them and you know you can obviously do a better job of ending that cycle but yeah against a team like san jose it's like it just becomes hopeless if you're the sharks like you're you're just hanging on for dear life at a certain point and it was pretty much every bruins line doing it like even even the fourth line which obviously you know we're gonna get to no sex injury but now you know you're without him for a while. So, you know, Copenin's going to be the first, which, by the way, uh, we, we learned this the week. pronunciation, that, yeah. We learned this week that it's definitely pronounced Copenin. So we all had Copanin because that's how it is. That's how it was in the AHL pronunciation guide. But apparently that was wrong. So, anyways. Well, um, yeah. Jack was complaining that he wants it to be the American way or whatever and not the, not the Finnish way. I don't well, know. It's easier to say. <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll stick it is, with it. I guess. But anyways, um, yeah. So like even that line, which obviously is kind of the new look line with the guy playing his third NHL game, um, 
they were cycling and, and getting it going. And like, I thought, I thought this was probably Copenhagen's best game. Like he was, mm-hmm. he was pretty noticeably involved in some of that. Um, so that was good to see because you, you do wonder like, uh, you know, not that obviously Nozick's not like one of the stars of the team and no one would mistake him for being like irreplaceable, but he does play a key role in the team. You know, fourth line center is obviously important when you're as deep as the Bruins are and you rely on all four lines. Um, so you, you know, you need Kopanen or, or anyone else who might get a shot there uh, to at least like be able to, to blend in and kind of, keep the puck moving when it's their turn. And, and I thought you saw some of that from Copenhagen tonight. Yeah. And coach after the game said, uh, I thought he was very visible in our win. And uh, he, he did get some time on the penalty kill. Um, he got some time at the very end on the power play because that last Bruins power play, they just threw out like the most random units and just like rewarding guys for playing um, with energy earlier in the game. Like they, they throw uh Copenin and Greer and and different Grizzlick and a bunch of people on the power play at the very end but no I think it was his best game and in the first period he didn't take a single face off and then I was tracking it throughout the game because I'm wondering I'm like well it was just he happened to come on the ice switch on the ice when there wasn't a face off basically first I was like are they trying to not have him take the face offs but but you look at his stats at the dot by the end of the night and he was 78%. He won seven and lost two. Like it what he's, he's fine at the dot. Um, he seems defensively sound. He can come in and play time on the penalty kill. So you're fitting him in and it's kind of, it looks seamless today the way that he fit in. And to the point about the rest of the fourth line, Greer tried the like spin around shot, like, three or four times today <laughs> I was like he's he must be like have a bet with someone that like if he scores on the spinning shot he's gonna win like half a million or something <laughs> like he's got some dumb bet on this but he looked really confident and that's another person that Montgomery said he thought had a really good game so yeah he tried going between the legs in the first period he was mm-hmm. he was he was feeling all types of ways out there tonight but um yeah I mean that that line um they obviously produced a goal in the second period. Uh, Nick Felino tipped a Hampus Lindholm shot from the point after about 30 seconds of strong cycling and and worked down low. And, uh, and yeah, and, and obviously the Sharks weren't the toughest opponent, but um, they were still able to find a way to be as effective as they normally are and, and arguably more so since they contributed on the score sheet. Uh, I, I guess... Well- just yeah. wanted to say Copenhagen got an assist on that Felino goal. So that was his first yeah. ever NHL point. And they showed on the Nesson broadcast just for a second coming out of one of the breaks, Felino just like mobbing him and like shaking him, like just trying to get him excited that it was his first point. So I'm guessing they grabbed him the puck. Um, but it just add that to his, you know, what, what we already said about him. He was able to, to get that secondary assist on the, well, really was mostly Lindholm again. He takes the shot. Bellino, that was, it was a really nice tip. Actually, there was nothing Reimer could have done about the, the redirection and, and trying to cover that. But yeah, uh, Copenhagen ended up getting his first point. There was great tandem work too by Clifton and Lindholm on that on that shift, going back and forth between each other on the blue line. Uh, some good hard crisp passes, but yeah, I thought I thought Copenhagen um, may have gotten a piece of that one and gotten his first NHL goal, but um, obviously uh, Felino got that. 